Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. I'm your host, Lee Phelan, and today we're going to talk about ENCODE. By now you've heard the hype surrounding ENCODE, more formally known as the Encyclopedia of DNA Elements. You might have heard sensational phrases thrown around like, Disproves widely held beliefs, or Shatters what we used to believe about DNA. So just like our discussion of the Higgs boson, Let's cut through the hype and see what exactly ENCODE is and what all the excitement's about. Before we do, though, I just want to thank this week's sponsor, Squarespace.com. Squarespace has launched a brand new content management system, making it faster and easier than ever to create a high-quality site or blog. The new Squarespace features mobile responsive designs with automatic scaling to any size device, plus more than 50 new features. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com everyday and use offer code everyday9. So what exactly is ENCODE? Well, traditionally, most studies involving genetics have centered around the so-called encoding regions, meaning the parts of the DNA where genes are located. That's because genes contain the blueprints for proteins, which seem to get all the flashy jobs in the cell. The rest of the DNA just wasn't that exciting though most people thought that some of it had to be good for something. ENCODE combined the results of hundreds and hundreds of experiments across multiple types of cells in an attempt to systematically catalog what the rest of the genome was up to. What they found was that while a small portion of the genome, only around 2%, contains the blueprints for proteins, another 78% of the genome contains biochemical switches that act to control how these genes are turned on and off. So what's all this about junk DNA? Did people really believe some of our DNA is junk? Well, back in the 1970s, a scientist named Susumu Ono famously said that most of the human genome must be junk because it was too unlikely that a large genome that was subject to constant mutations could be entirely functional. It's sort of like buying a used car. Sure, that 1965 Chevy looks shiny, but it's so old, what are the chances that all the parts still work? Well, most scientists didn't really believe him, and over time, more and more evidence has been found that disprove this claim. Unfortunately, like most snappy terms, the phrase junk DNA stuck around in the media, and over time, this phrase was used to refer to any part of the genome that didn't contain the blueprints for proteins. So why is the media reporting that ENCODE disproves this widely held theory? Well, that's because sensational headlines sell. While many people believe that the rest of the genome must be doing something, Nobody really knew exactly what it all did, nor how much of it was relevant to things like cancer and other genetic diseases. The ENCODE project is significant because it determines what kind of things happen to each part of the genome and how those parts interact with one another. ENCODE has shown that the interactions happening between different parts of the genome are much more complex and widespread than we originally thought. As you and Bernie, lead analysis coordinator for the project from the European Bioinformatics Institute, said, We've always known that there's another set of controls in your DNA that turn genes on and off. 
We uncovered the control points or switches that do this, and there are way, way more switches than we ever thought possible. An insane number of switches. So what's all the controversy I hear about the genome being 80% functional? Well, this controversy comes from the differing definitions of the word functional. Traditionally, a functional part of the genome meant a gene, the part of the genome containing the blueprint for proteins. Some people extend that meaning to include those parts of the genome that control the expression of those genes, which are areas typically found nearby the genes themselves. This new definition of functional from ENCODE is even looser and encompasses any areas that have some type of biochemical activity, though some of those activities are arguably more interesting than others. So what about the other 20%? Well, who knows? Right now, most scientists think the other 20% represents a blend of bits that have lost their function over time, along with errors made when DNA is copied for cell division. There are also likely some parts that are left over viral and bacterial DNA which has integrated itself in over the years. If this is all such a big deal, why haven't I heard about it until now? Well, you haven't heard about it because there was a publication embargo on the research. A project the size of ENCODE took years of work by hundreds of individuals. As the project progressed, papers were written describing the progress of the project and its impact. However, there was an embargo on publishing these papers. The idea was that all the papers would come out all at once, making a bigger impact for the project so that more people would sit up and take notice. Critics of this approach say that this type of embargo is driven by journals in an attempt to make a greater profit from the research, and that the embargo has cost scientists and the world up to 10 years of access to this data. However, the fact is that some of this data, along with a guide explaining the project, its goals, and how to use the data, has been available since April of 2011. So now you might be asking yourself, how exactly is this going to affect me? Well, the biggest message you should take away from the ENCODE project right now is that DNA is not destiny. ENCODE shows more definitively than ever that what makes you, you, isn't just a set of genes that you can't do anything about, but rather the choices you make in the environment your body's exposed to. As with the Higgs boson particle, the most immediate change that most people will see will be the difference in the genetics chapters of their children's biology textbooks. However, in the next generation, or maybe sooner if we're fortunate, this information will change much of how we assess, diagnose, and treat disease. So are we all done, or is there anything else you should know about ENCODE? Well, I'm glad you asked. Aside from the data itself, there are two other things that I'm particularly excited about that came from the ENCODE project. Two concepts about the publication of the data that I really hope will set a precedent for other genetics and bioinformatics studies. The first is the concept of journal threads. If you look at Nature's ENCODE page, you'll see that there are over 30 papers and many more to come published on the ENCODE project's findings. Normally, if you were interested in a certain topic of genetics, you'd have to manually search through all those papers and pick out the relevant bits. Journal threads do this for you by highlighting the relevant parts of each paper for a given topic, it's a fantastic idea, and one that I hope sees more widespread adoption in the future. The second exciting part is the ENCODE virtual machine. One of the traditional difficulties of building off of the findings of other teams engaged in bioinformatics, that is, the computational part of genetic research, is that their results are sometimes very tricky to reproduce. You usually have access to their data and a description of their analysis, but sometimes getting from that to the final result can be very challenging, if not impossible, 
without the detailed steps of how they cleaned up the data and formatted it into its final form. The ENCODE virtual machine gets around this by giving everyone access to a downloadable virtual computer that they can use to see the exact code used to generate the results. This, even more than the journal threads, is something that I hope sees wider adoption in the future. Once again, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. If you've ever tried to put together a blog, you know it can be a little frustrating to do it on your own. Do you download a tool, or do you have to upload it to some server somewhere, maybe tweak the code a little, edit some HTML or CSS or PHP? Man, it's like acronym soup. Well, Squarespace is amazing because what you can do is just go on there and start dragging and dropping the parts of the pages that you want to put together. In a few seconds, you can have photos, videos, texts, and social media content. You can preview the layout as you go, and if you have an existing blog somewhere else, you can use the blog import tool to pull in all the information from your old blog. If you're thinking about setting up a blog or thinking about changing your blog, I encourage you to go and try out the new Squarespace today. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com slash everyday and sign up for a free account. No credit card required. Just try it out and start building your own website. Then, if you decide to purchase it, you can use offer code everyday9 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. And if you get an annual plan subscription, you can even get a free domain registration. That's all we have time for today. Hopefully that answered most of your questions about ENCODE. You can read more about ENCODE at nature.com slash ENCODE. If you like today's episode, you can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash QDT Einstein. If you have a question you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Till next time, I'm your host, Lee Phelan, with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.